Uh, good morning, church. Um, it is it is good to to be here this morning and uh, a privilege to be able to worship together. Um, let's just pray. Father God, we just uh, again stand in awe of you because you are such an incredibly wonderful God and a God who loves us with such an amazing love and we thank you that we can share testimonies of of the way that you're working in our lives, um, the things that you're speaking to us. And Father, as we look into your word again this morning, Father, we just pray that you would open our hearts to hear, that we would learn. And Father, we also ask that you would uh, challenge us to actually put into practice the things that uh, you're challenging us with uh, throughout the coming week. So Father, I just want to ask that you would take the words that you put in my mouth this morning and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're uh, going to look at the next step in the series that we're doing in Tools of the Trade. We are going to walk through a number of scriptures together, so I will be asking for some help from people. So if you've got your Bibles with you, that would be great to, to, to look up as we go. This morning we're looking at the gifts relating to serving. And uh, so we're going to look at... The spiritual gifts of giving, helps, hospitality, mercy and service. They're all spiritual gifts and I'm sure many of you have probably done um, spiritual gift surveys, yes, at some point. So when you do a spiritual gift survey, they come out with a huge range of these spiritual gifts and sometimes we read through them and we answer all the questions and it gives us the level of where we're at in each of the different ones. But... Sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what those gifts are or what, what is meant by those gifts. So what I've done, uh, what I've been led to do was to get my uh, faithful Strong's exhaustive concordance out during the week. And I'm, I'm certainly no expert on Greek and Hebrew and, and all that sort of stuff. But I always find it good to actually go back and see what these words that are in the Bible that... Uh, descriptive words, what they actually, what the Greek word was and where the meanings come from because that helps us get a little bit of understanding. So you'll have to forgive me for my Greek pronunciation which is probably totally wrong. So I'd like to start, start this morning with the gift of giving. We're looking at that from Romans chapter 12 verse 8 which says, it's talking about the spiritual gifts. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently if it is to show mercy do it cheerfully so that's that's the whole verse and so we're picking up on if it is in giving then give generously so I looked up what the Greek word is and uh, it comes up with a word that sounds something like this metadidomini which basically refers to giving over sharing to give or to impart which basically comes for supplying a need and so someone who's got the gift of giving, which is something, something we're all called to do is give. And uh, it's interesting as I, I read through uh, some different resources to, uh, just to get a little more understanding about it, often we as Christians say, well, we're called to tithe, we're giving. Well, giving is not tithing. And um, it was actually an interesting, an interesting statement I looked at that someone who's got the spirit of giving will... Look at it from the perspective that tithing is receiving 90%, um, not giving 10%. So tithing is accepting 90% of what God's 
God's providing for you and, and so you don't even look at that 10%. But the giving is something that God calls us to give over and above that tithe. In the, in the verse um, that we've looked at, the giver is encouraged to give with simplicity or generosity. Most of us, when we give, we like to give without making a fanfare. If you are a giver, you've given that, that spirit-given capacity to want to give. And so God will, God will place on our hearts to give. He might put someone on our hearts that we know is in need or a cause. And there are people that God has actually blessed in a way financially to actually be able to give hugely above. There are, there are people that, that God have blessed their business and called them to actually invest in different ministries, different churches, local and overseas. And, and that, that is one way that that spiritual gift is used. But God also causes us to give when he prompts us because we all have the one and the same spirit within us and, and so God will call these gifts to us in different, different times to give um, over and above what, what we might be able to supply. I'd like to look at a couple of examples of giving. The first example is looking at Jesus. The Bible's full of examples of Jesus giving. But the, the reference that he's uh, brought me to as I prayed and asked him what to share uh, is from Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. Having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That really encompasses the gift of giving more than we really have. He gave himself, his whole life. He gave up his relationship with the Father in essence, his unity with the, with the Father. When he was put to death on the cross, he was separated from God. And, and, and that's just something that is, it's really hard to get our brains around that giving himself that much. But that's the example that he's given to us. There's another example that, um, that God's led to me as well. And uh, it's from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Can I ask someone to read it out for me? The believers shared their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, bought their money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Thanks, Michelle. So again, we see this is, this is an example of giving totally beyond any, any expectation. The Holy Spirit challenged these people that had surplus to actually sell and provide for those uh, who didn't have. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to read in that, that the church was just so drawn together 
so unified. And this was one thing that these people were, were moved by the Holy Spirit to do that, to actually sell things that they didn't really need and then give it all back to the church to supply the needs of uh, those that didn't have much or, or needed more. And, and so we see that the gift of giving is about a practical need. It's about supplying practical needs, which is something that we can all do in different ways. God calls us all to do in different ways and at different times. So looking at that as a, a spiritual gift that God can use in us at different times in different ways, trying to think of, for myself, has God used that gift in me in different ways? And I, and I would say yes in small ways. We as a family, like most families, have limited resources. But every now and then, God lays it on our hearts to give something to someone. We've either heard through word of mouth that there's someone in need and it stops us in our tracks and say, okay, well, what do we do with this? And it's like, well, I don't really have, we can't really give much. We haven't got anything to give. But the Lord just says, no, I want you to give. So we then have to put it to the Lord and say, well, how much do you want us to give? And he reveals puts an amount on our heart and then we have to make that conscious decision. Am I going to obey? The battle goes in the mind. I really can't afford to give that. I don't have that money. But God's saying, no, I want you to give that because his spirit is continuing to prompt us. And so we then say, okay, we'll give that. We give it. It's a blessing to the person and God blesses us. Our bills are paid. We've got food on the table. We've got petrol in the car. We've got a roof over our head. God supplied our needs continually, but we were willing to actually step out and give when we didn't think we really could. Um, and that's something that God can challenge each one of us to do that. And I was also prompted as I was thinking about it, I don't know whether you, many of you remember in the first couple of years of Catalyst, um, we had a, a couple of slogans. We had um, little rubber wristbands with words on and One of them was extravagant generosity. And I remember someone sharing that they'd asked God, well, what, what do they want to, what does he want them to do? And God prompted them one day when they were in filling the car up with petrol to actually look over and see someone coming back from their car and they actually paid for that person's fuel bill and disappeared. And so that person obviously walks into the counter to pay their bill and are told, oh, it's already been paid for. How good is that? You don't know what's going on in that person's life, but by stepping in obedience and actually doing that, God might actually use that in some incredible way in that person's life to hit them with his love. I've also heard of examples where uh, people have been at the, at the supermarket buying their groceries and they've been prompted to pay for someone else's groceries just out of the blue and just the blessing that, that God can use that to bless someone's life with his love can be amazing. So they're, they're simple ways that God can use each one of us. We might not have a business that's making thousands and thousands of dollars that we can invest large sums of money into different places, but God can still use that gift in our lives in smaller ways like that. Okay. The second gift that I'd like to look at is the gift of helps. And we, the reference that we're looking at the gift of helps from is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And God has placed in his church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, 
of helps or helping, of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Helps. What, what sort of pictures do you get in your mind when, when you hear the spiritual gift? of? What does that make you think of? Anyone? Serving people? The Greek word, the Strong's Concordance is great. The Greek word written in English letters, then it splits it up and gives you where the emphasis is on how to say it. Uh, the Greek word is, sounds something like this. Antilempsis, which basically is a word that means to bring relief or to partake in or to support. So helps helps is actually a practical way of actually getting alongside people and helping them do things. So those with the gift of helps are those who can aid or render assistance to others with compassionate grace. It's not just seeing people with the needs but it's actually getting out there alongside those people and actually helping them with whatever their need might be. So a couple of examples from Scripture. Again, there's, the Scriptures are so full of so many examples. I just put it before the Lord and I just said, Lord, lead me to the example that you want to use. And uh, the, the passage that he took me to was John chapter 2. If I could get someone to look this one up for me. John chapter 2, verses 1 through to 11. Someone like to read that for me? Uh, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Uh, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Thanks, Peter. So we have a very familiar story to us, um, Jesus turning the water into wine. Jesus was invited to this wedding, so he was there, he was a, he was a guest, he was part of what was going on. But a need arose while he was there. His mother obviously went to him and, and told him about it, expecting him to do something. And uh, in the familiarity of that story, obviously the customs were that you brought the, the best wine out first so that people would actually enjoy the rich flavours of, of that nice wine. And then once they'd had plenty to drink, the lesser wine didn't matter so much. But obviously there's a lot of um, embarrassment to actually run out completely but Jesus was there and he knew what impact that would have on the couple getting married the bride and the groom and the families he knew how he could help them in that situation and so he instructed the servants to to go and fill fill the water and and then take it off and and obviously somewhere in that the water miraculously turned into wine and uh, as we know that's the first miracle that he did but it was a miracle that helped a situation. And there's plenty of other examples. 
There's also another one that uh, in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 36, 39, um, if you want to turn in your Bibles to that. Now, this, this is an example of other people within the New Testament times. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened that at that time she fell sick and died. And when they washed her body, they laid it in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and the garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. So we see in that example that Dorcas used what she'd been blessed with to make clothing for the widows and the downcast. So she saw the need and she used what God had given her to provide and make clothing for these people so that they were being cared for. And that's, again, a wonderful way that the gift of helps is used there. She saw the need, she provided for those clothes and the impact that that had on them you can see the way they were, I'm not sure how I'm trying to put this, but she, she invested in their lives. She didn't just provide clothes for them. She invested into their lives and we see that by the way they acted and the way they showed Peter. This woman was important to them. She'd invested so much in their lives. That obviously really moved Peter's heart to see the way that she had embraced a gift of helping, which is, again, she was so blessed through her ability to give to others. What are some ways that we can or God could use us, use that gift of helps in our lives. And again, I tried to think of ways that God's worked through me to, to help others. I often struggle when I look back at my life to find examples of things because I just do things, I see things and I do things, and there's probably a lot that I take as just part of what I do. So I don't see them necessarily as great examples of this, that and the other thing. But I guess the one area that stands out to me, how can, how can we use a gift like that to reach people in our community, particularly non-saved. We do things for one another within the church community in practical ways. But the one way that stood out to me was as simple as seeing a neighbour whose garden's overgrown and actually just going and knocking on the door and saying, can I mow your lawn? Can I give you a hand with this? Um, it can be as simple as doing something like that, seeing a need but going in and helping them do that. I was just trying to think. I think there's been occasions where we as a church have done that not only for people within the church, but for neighbours or friends, non-believers of people within the church too. And so that's one example. But God can use that gift through us in many different ways. And it's just something that we need to ask him. Lord, how can you use that gift through me to bless um, those in the community around me? Because that's, that's what it all... These are, these are all practical things that, that if we're willing to stop and ask God, he will, he will reveal it to us. Next gift I want to look at is hospitality. Look at the gift of hospitality in First Peter chapter four, verse nine, which says, "Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. How often do we help someone out feeling, surely someone else can do this? Why should it be me? That's not displaying the gift of hospitality. That's um, 
it says without complaint, so it should be with a, with a heart that wants to. And if we look at the Greek word, the Greek word used for hospitality there is philozenos, um, which refers to a, a lover of hospitality, so someone who's motivated to do that. first part of that Greek word, philo, um, is actually one of the words, Greek words for love. So someone who loves to give hospitality. But it doesn't just stop there. It talks about being friendly towards or entertaining strangers. So as much as we look at hospitality, so often we look at hospitality as open our home to people within the church, to our Activate group, to things like that. But it actually, that Greek word actually refers to also entertaining strangers. So that gift of hospitality is something that those that have it will be motivated to open their home to non-believers, people outside the church family as well. The gift of hospitality, the special gift whereby the Holy Spirit enables certain Christians to open their homes willingly and offer lodging, food and fellowship cheerfully to other people. This gift can cause believers to joyfully open his or her home, even for meetings or for people staying overnight, making people feel welcome and comfortable at all times. Um, So they're... There are definitely those of us who that is a stronger gift within us, that we love to open our homes, we love to have people around. But that doesn't mean God can't challenge you. You might have a a neighbour that's struggling. Invite them in for a meal. Here I'm jumping the gun before I've gone to the the examples through Scripture, coming up with um, practical things that we can do. But again, it's as, as God places it on our heart. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses... 38 to 42. Can I have someone read that for me? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village and the woman, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, he, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. This is, one of, this is a very familiar story. It was interesting that God put this on my heart as, as, as the example to bring of hospitality because in this example, Mary and Martha had opened their home and on this one particular occasion, Martha was really struggling. She didn't have a willing heart at that time, but it wasn't. The unwillingness in her heart wasn't because of the hospitality. The unwillingness was because her sister wasn't helping her. But it's one example we read through scriptures that many, quite, quite on numerous occasions, um, Jesus spent time uh, with his disciples at Bethany. Mary and Martha and Lazarus's place was one of the places that they stayed. So it's quite clear that Martha, in particular, who loved preparing the food and that hospitality area, that was something that she loved doing and she displayed that spiritual gift of hospitality because we see Jesus often went back there. She, she made her home open and warm and comfortable for people and she enjoyed doing it and they were blessed through it. And so that's a, that's a, wonderful, a wonderful example that their home was always open for whenever Jesus and his disciples were in the area, their door was open and they could come and stay and feed or just come for meals or they could, they could actually stay there. Um, So she really um, displayed uh, that example. And there's another example that I'd like to look at 
Uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshipper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. When she and her household had been baptised, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So God had put it on her heart to look after Paul and his entourage because God had given her that gift of hospitality. She wanted to look after them. She wanted to give them food. She wanted to give them somewhere to stay. It was something that the Holy Spirit had put on her heart to do. And she obviously received joy out of doing that. So she was blessed by using that gift and Paul and his team were obviously blessed through her giving giving them the food and the lodging as well. So again, we see how a spiritual gift blesses both the giver and the receiver. And again, as I said before, that, that brings us to the point of saying, well, Lord, is this something you want, it, you want to use through me? You want to operate through me? And there are some people who that comes naturally. They just want to do it. They have a home where they can do it. We, in our home in Hallam, we would have loved to use that more than we did. But we were very restricted by space. If the weather was bad, we didn't have enough space to really use it for meetings or bigger gatherings or anything like that. And I think it would be fair to say that we struggled with that because we really wanted to be able to do that more. And part of our journeying to where we are now is that God has blessed us with a home that we can actually use more effectively and use that gift a little bit more because it's something that he's placed on our heart. But the challenge for that one, again, the challenge for that gift of hospitality is how do we use that to reach the community? How do we use that as an evangelistic tool? As I thought about that, the thing that sprang to mind is the last couple of years that we as a church have embraced Neighbours Day and I'm sure those within the church family that have opened their home to invite their neighbours in and particularly non-believers would have been blessed through the time that they actually spent with their neighbours. I know that we certainly have been and that's that's a wonderful way. You can just, with no agenda, just invite your neighbours over for even if it's just for a cuppa. could be for meal, it could be for a cuppa but there are ways that we can open our home and use that gift of hospitality to show love to those around us. Often we think about, try and think of practical ways and we try and make it more difficult than it really is. God uses the small things. The next gift in this list is the gift of mercy. And that comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 8. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Again, I got my Strong's Concordance out and went to the Greek word to see exactly what the Greek word is. And the thing I like doing this, you can look up resources on, online and they'll say the Greek word's this or the Greek word's that. And I looked one up and thought, but that's not the Greek word that I've been able to track down. But So I, I like to actually go to that and look that specific word because sometimes they take a similar Greek word uh, that's used in a different area that can be the same thing. But the, the Greek word used here is eleheo. Uh, I think you heard it twice. 
but that literally literally means to have compassion or pity on, to show mercy. But it doesn't leave it there. It it actually means to be motivated enough to actually do something. You see someone in a situation that causes you to have compassion on them, on them, or for them. But it doesn't stop there. It causes you to want to do something about it. Um, so there's a couple of examples that. Uh, that God led me to, and they're both examples of Jesus. The first one's from Luke uh, chapter 17, verses 11 to 16. Can I have someone read that for me? As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He, he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, their leprosy disappeared. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God, I'm healed. He fell face down on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Thanks, Sal. So we see in this example that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And these ten lepers, outcasts of society, desperately wanting to be included in community but knowing that they couldn't because of the disease they had, called out to him. And Jesus was filled with compassion for them. He could see that they were obviously struggling because they were, they'd been thrown out of community. And Jesus wants us to be in community. He knows that we need to be in community. So he had compassion but he didn't leave it there. He actually called to them and said, go wash yourselves and show yourselves to the, the, the priests. He responded by actually doing something. But the thing that really stands out in that little passage is the last little sentence of five words, and he was a Samaritan. Not only was he a leper, but he was a Samaritan, and we all know the way that the Jewish people looked down on Samaritans. We know the story of the, the good Samaritan that Jesus told, that the that Jews didn't want to have anything to do with them, that they would literally walk past on the other side of the road if they saw one lying there beaten up but this was a leper already cast out of society he was a Samaritan that a Jewish person wouldn't even take a second look at but Jesus was moved with compassion for these these guys it didn't matter who they were he knew what they needed they needed to be in community and he was moved by compassion to do something about it. The second example that, uh, that the Lord's taken to me to in is Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 to 34. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men, sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord! Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. So again, we see Jesus was busy on his way from point A to point B. He was heading somewhere to do something. But these two guys who needed were in need and were desperate to be healed, called out to him. And Jesus could have just ignored them, but he didn't. He stopped and called out them and, and said, what do you want me to do? And they obviously said, we want our eyes opened. And it, it says us it says clearly there, Jesus was moved with compassion. He didn't just say, oh, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe we can do that. He stopped, 
He took time out, he touched their eyes and he healed their sight. Because he had compassion, he was willing to take the time and do something for them. And that's what that gift of mercy is about. It's not just seeing a need or hearing about a need and feeling compassion for that person. It's actually being motivated by that compassion to actually do something, to get off our backside and actually do something. So in a practical sense, this was, this was a big one for me. It was like, well, what's an example that, that I can share that, that God might have used that gift of mercy through me? I was really struggling to try and find something. And then um, God brought to, to mind something that we as a family got involved in and a number of people from this church got alongside us uh, to do a number of years ago. We'd done a study uh, by Ch- Francis Chan called Crazy Love in our Activate group. And God put on our heart to reach out to homeless people and do something special for them. It wasn't that we were doing what Jesus did and seeing someone sick and wanting to heal them, but, but God had put it on our heart to do something for the homeless. And he led us to make contact with a organisation, the Cornerstone Contact Centre in Dandenong, where they put on meals for people that are on the streets and, and that. And God put on our heart to do something on Christmas morning, do a Christmas morning breakfast, because these people don't have family or they're disjointed from their family for whatever reasons. And Christmas morning would be a pretty lonely time. So we decided that we would put on a Christmas breakfast for them. And it was a bit of a hard work, but we got it all together. And the team that got around us to help just had a, had a wonderful Christmas morning. We were able to not only provide a meal using the gift of hospitality, but we were able to sit and just spend time and talk to these people who are kind of outcasts in society. They live on the streets or live in boarding houses where no one really cares for them. They don't have family around them and to actually have someone take the time on Christmas morning, one morning of the year, and show some interest in their lives had a huge impact. And at the time, the the contact centre, they would post a uh, a monthly newsletter And it was encouraging to hear some of the quotes that were placed in that of people that had gone along to that breakfast and shared how much it meant to them. And that was because we were willing to do what God had put on our hearts to do. And that's and that's one example. And that was a that was a pretty big thing for us to do because it was a big step out of our comfort zone. But we were willing to do it. God blessed us through doing it, but God also used that to bless those people that came along. Um, and we were able to show that gift of mercy by actually spending time with them, talking to them, being a friend to them when they didn't, didn't have people like that around them. That brings us to the last of the gifts in this run, which is the gift of service, uh, which is in Romans chapter 12, verse 7, which simply says, If service, in his serving. The Greek word... The Greek word used there for the gift of service is diakonia, which is where we actually get our word deacon from. Um, but again, it's, it's a word that basically means to aid or give aid, to serve or to bring relief. A service basic motivational drive is to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. 
as it says, to serve. A server is diligent and willing to sacrifice his time and energy in order to complete a task. It sounds pretty simple. And again, I just ask the Lord to, to lead me to a couple of examples from, from Scripture that would display this gift. Because it's, a, it's quite a practical gift, Jesus displays this in many different areas and every, every one I thought about it was more around him healing people physically and spiritually. And it did, I just wasn't sure what, what passage to go to. And then it was actually interesting. It was during, during prayer this morning that, that God dropped this uh, passage on my heart. And it's from John 13, verses 1 to 7. If I could get someone to read it out for me. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. <clears throat> he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Thanks, so. so as, as God put this passage on, on my heart, it was like, is that, is that exactly what I'm, what I'm thinking? The, the Greek word diakonia, which is where we get deacon from. What do I think of when I think of deacons? Deacons uh, oversee the practical tasks within the church. Are they actually out there a servant because what Jesus was displaying in this washing their feet was showing his disciples that he wanted them to serve others it was that servant role but then when I went back to my initial notes looking at the Greek word it is also from uh, diaconia is from the root word which talks about attendance as a servant and that's what Jesus was doing he was tending to his disciples doing something that a servant would do and he was doing that as an example for his servants because he wanted them to serve one another he wanted them to serve people and show his love by doing that and that's what he wants for us to do and uh, there's another example that that uh, god led me to as well which goes back to that word deacon where we get the word deacon from in acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 6 now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrew because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit of whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, 
a proselyte from Antioch. And these were brought before the apostles and after praying they laid their hands on them. This was, this was another example that, that we're given in God's word of where the elders or the leaders of the early church, God called them to um, preach and teach and encourage and build up the believers. They couldn't run around. They didn't have time to actually look after these practical needs and still give time and effort to the preaching and the teaching of the word. And, and so we see how they led the congregation to prayerfully consider who they could get to fill that role. So these seven men were specifically set aside with that gift of service. But that doesn't just stop there. We don't... Often we have, in our churches, we have deacons, elders and deacons and, and so forth. But that gift of service is something that God called us all to do. We don't have to have any official titles or anything to be able to use any of these gifts that we've walked through now. They're all practical gifts and they all have ways that God can use them within the church to encourage and build one another up. But as we've been talking about them being tools of the trade, God doesn't just want to build up the church that's gathered here of believers. He wants to build the church by growing the church. How do we do that? By reaching the lost and taking his love to them. And these are all wonderful practical gifts that God can use in our lives to touch those who live around us, in the community around us. And so my prayer is that I'm sure as we've talked through and I've shared some examples from the word and some examples from my life and from ones I've heard of, that God's been prompting you with different ways that maybe you could reach those in the community around you, your workmates, your work colleagues, your neighbours. God puts people all around us that he wants to reach out with his love to. And so our challenge is for you not to walk away from here and think, oh, yeah, OK, well, that was giving me a bit more information about this, these gifts. We want you to take away from here and ask God, what do you want me to do with it? Because it's all about hearing him and obeying him. And when we obey him, we bless people, but we're also blessed. And God wants that for us. He wants so much to bless us. But part of that blessing comes through our choice of obedience. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge who you are. You are the almighty God, king and creator of the universe. And we thank you for the amazing love that you have for each one of us, but not just us, each part person that you have created in this whole world you love everyone the same and you want everyone to love you and we thank you that we can be your vessels to take your love to those living around us to those in the communities that we work in and father we thank you that you have given each of us your holy spirit one and the same spirit and we thank you that each of these gifts that we're looking at and trying to understand a little more each one of us has the ability to use those gifts to reach the lost around us to shine your light, to shine your love into those around us. And so, Father, we just we want to ask that you would convict our hearts, reveal to us what you want us to do, and give us the strength and the boldness to act so that we can touch those around us with your love. And we don't want it to stop there. Father, we want to be able to come back next Sunday 
and join together and worship you and give praise to you and share the wonderful things that you have done for each of us throughout the week, the way you've used us, the way you've blessed us and the way you've used us to bless others. So, Father, we just want to give you thanks and praise for these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. It really is a simple thing. I went back to uh, the original notes, the very first notes that I put down, and I went down the list of giving helps, hospitality, mercy and service, just to put my initial thoughts, seeing a need and supplying the means for giving. Helps, seeing a need and doing. Hospitality, serving or taking care of others. Mercy, compassion towards someone who doesn't deserve it. Service, doing with a cheerful heart, whatever is needed, or managing the supply of the needs. They're all practical, they're all doing things, and they're all doing things with a right heart. There are just a couple of little notes that I forgot to, I wanted to finish off with. As a conclusion, God's instruction for serving types of gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. One, use your spiritual gift or gifts. Two, be faithful in using your gifts. And three, be propelled and sustained by God in all you do, not your own strength. He will give you the strength to do it. Amen.